MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour three of the nightcap alongside Super Bowl champion Sean King. I am Tim Murray. It has been an interesting night, to say the least. The Pittsburgh Pirates have completed a three-game sweep of the Los Angeles Dodgers. (laughs) And we saw six goals by one team in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was the Rangers beating the Tampa Bay Lightning 6 to 2. That game took place at Madison Square Garden, and that's where we had right now to bring in our good friend Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, who's taken time out of writing some post-game thoughts, Sean, to join us. He must really like you. Yeah, this is all based on the seeds that I planted in our relationship years Apparently. ago. So you mean treat people right? You get lifelong friends. You should try that. I will try that. Maybe maybe one of these days. All right, Greg, we appreciate it. Um Six goals from the Rangers. Was this rust by the Lightning? Was this beautiful execution by the Rangers? What led to the offensive explosion from the New York Rangers tonight? I think it was a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, There was definitely rust. Uh, Gerard Gallant, the Rangers coach, pointed that out about the Lightning, that they weren't as sharp as they usually are. Uh, the, uh, some of the Lightning players made mention of their execution not necessarily being there like it should be. But the other thing about this this game and, and what made it very predictable that we would see at least a good effort from the Rangers, if not this kind of effort, was the fact that they're in a, a routine right now that the Lightning aren't in. I mean, they're coming off that Game 7 win in Carolina, you know, a day off and then right back at it. And so they're not skipping a beat. Um, they're still very much in a groove right now and the lightning had nine days off. So, you know, it's not a surprise that, uh, they came out, the, the, these two teams came out the way that they did. Um, and the other thing about it too, though, and then this is the reason why I caution people about this being a, a, a sneaky upset potential series. The Rangers are just in a real groove right now. They've really, really found a balance for their, their team, the right. Um, and they've got obviously all the faith in the world and their goaltender. It's interesting because the Lightning looked slow. They didn't look explosive. They didn't look to be a team that 
was fresh. Like they looked like they had gone through the seven game series and were dog tired <laughs> and needed a break. And sometimes you get old overnight, Greg. Are they <laughs> getting old right in front of us? No, I'll tell you what this is. I've covered the Rangers a lot in this postseason, and they have the ability here at home to really play at the pace they want to. And by that, I mean, you know, when you see them going up and down the ice like they did, when you see them get the chances they did, they did the same thing against Carolina. And there are definitely times when they have a speed advantage. They've got a lot of quickness. But I think what you're seeing is the Rangers playing at their pace and the Lightning being unable in this game to play at the pace they want to play at. Um, and so it looks like a speed disparity. When, you, when they would go to Carolina, Carolina would look like the faster team because they were playing at the pace they wanted to play. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that the Lightning are at their best when they're creating offense off of their defense. And today their defense was all over the map, um, really let the middle of the ice get way too open, gave the Rangers too many opportunities. There were times when they were pinned in their own zone for over two minutes. That's what happened on the second uh, Philip Hedel goal in the second period. So the, the Lightning's inability to really put a stamp on this game and play at the pace that they wanted to, I think, is the bigger issue for them than, than maybe not being able to deal with the Rangers' speed. How important is it that Braden Point get back in this lineup? Can the Lightning beat the Rangers without Braden Point? And have you heard anything about when the superstar forward for the Lightning could return? I think they can. Um, I think they could beat them. I, I, you know, they're, they're a really good, talented, deep team. Uh, you have to remember they didn't really get to their game tonight, um, and they certainly didn't get any power play opportunities to really let that unit make the difference that it could make in these games. And that's where, where you'd see you know, Nikita Kucherov really kind of find his confidence. I mean, there's only one guy that really I thought had a really good game for them, and that was Stamkos. Yeah, Everybody else was a little bit was Kucherov a little bit was terrible. Yeah, he was not good. Um, He got beat on the first breakaway, didn't hustle to to check the guy, and then he had a a chance to eat to to give him a 2-1 lead, and he missed the net. Yep, yep, and and there was no really really kind of on their game either offensively. But the Braden Point thing, so he skated today for the first time in gear. It's a good sign for his continued um, rehab from this injury he has. But John Cooper, the Lightning coach, said today, "Look, we, you know, they're approaching this series like they might not have him. If they get him back, it's a bonus. But they're approaching the series that might not have him. Obviously, if he comes back, who even knows what kind of shape he's going to be in? But even having him out there obviously gives them a, a huge boost just because of who he is and, and what he's capable of doing in the postseason. But, um, but to answer your initial question, I mean, this team is." a team that beat the Leafs in seven games, a very good Leafs team. And a team that rolled the Panthers in four games. Um, they're a team that could certainly win the series without Braden point, but they've, they've got to play to their identity. They've got to look more like the lightning than whatever this performance was tonight. We're talking once again to Greg Wyshynski, who is at Madison square garden right now was there covering the game tonight. We'll be there again on Friday. Final thought on this series before we pivot out West uh, the Lightning, they were minus 180, Greg, to win this series prior to tonight. They lose, of course, tonight. They are now plus 105 uh, to come back and to win this series. So when you look at those odds, they are a slight favorite in game two uh, at Madison Square Garden. Would you be interested at that price at plus 105 for the Lightning? Or from what you saw, would you hold back and, and say maybe the Rangers uh, are the right side here? 
I, I would hold back just to see if they go down 2-0 mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then see what the prices look like then for them to go back to Tampa and, and maybe, you know, even up the series. I mean, you have to remember that the Rangers on the road against Carolina did not play that well. I mean, they, when they didn't get to the, the changes that they wanted or play to the, the pace that they wanted, um, they lost, you know, every game except for game seven in Carolina and, and didn't look good half the time. So I'd be interested to see exactly what that price looks like if, in fact, the Rangers get up 2-0 in the series. Um, my, my play in the series was the Rangers plus a game and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I picked the Rangers to win in seven. If that didn't happen, I still think the series could go seven. Um, so that bet was me thinking that there was a chance for an upset here. And based on the available evidence, I'm looking pretty smart (laughs) or (laughs) at the very, at the very least, um, they might play a third straight seven game series. So that was my play. Again, you gotta look the Rangers are playing really, really well. Like that kid line that produced two goals in the second period tonight. Like that's been one of the best lines in the playoffs. This is a Vanjad line is doing great. You know, Panarin's making plays. Fox is making plays. Like they've got a lot of guys right now that are just like firing on all cylinders and playing well. And then in back of them in all of the chaos and all of not meeting the hype of, of this goaltending duel, we all thought we we're going to see tonight. You still had Igor Chichurkin giving up only two goals. So it's all kind of clicking at the right time for this team. I try to tell people you got to watch. Sometimes teams find themselves in the playoffs. They find themselves in the playoffs. They find the right lineup. They find the right pace. They find the right confidence. And you could kind of see the Rangers ever since the, the nadir of their postseason, where they had those two horrible losses in Pittsburgh in game three and four, you could kind of see them putting it all together uh, as a young team in the playoffs. Yeah. I think game five of the Carolina series was when it happened. Like, those first yeah. four games, I thought they skated tight. They were apprehensive. And then game five, like, they start being a little more looser, start getting a little more creative, a little more confident in, in their shot selection and, and shot making. And that's a good thing. But here's what I would tell Lightning backers like myself. I had to go look it up. <laughs> they went to the Maple Leafs in round one, lost 5-0 in Toronto. People were like, uh-oh, Lightning are old, Lightning are done, came back. One game, two, five, three. So I'll be very interested how they bounce back from this contest. Was this just rush? I really think Nikita Kucherov needs to see uh, a professional. I didn't like his body language. <laughs> I, I felt like he really was like in his feelings. As the, the guys say, uh, is there something going on with him that we don't know about? Because he definitely was not his energetic, confident self tonight. Well, I think you can tell when he has it, when he doesn't. And, and I think he can tell when the team has it, when they don't, you know, and, and I don't think that he is the kind of player that ever expends a lot of energy. If, if he doesn't think it's going to be, if the juice is worth the squeeze, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like he understands and it's a good barometer of what this team is. But, uh, but like you said, I mean, that, that was kind of the mantra from them after the game too. And their post game availability was, and John Cooper said this himself, you know, they've won series that they've lost the first game and they've won series that they've won the first game. It doesn't really portend anything for a group that's basically seen it all in like the last two years. We're talking once again to Greg Wyszynski from ESPN. He's at Madison Square Garden. So his main focus, of course, is the Rangers and Lightning series. But I, I know you were watching it last night and, you know, you <laughs> like us were getting whiplash at all the goals. We were seeing 14 goals in all. Uh, and I even took a in-game over 13 and a half. Needed that empty netter. Never in doubt. But we were able to get there. So, uh, final minute, Greg, your expectation for game two. Is this a blind overplay? It's sitting at seven right now. 
Well, you got to remember last time the Oilers did this, uh, they had that crazy game against the Calgary Flames and, and the next game, the total hit eight. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see the same thing happen twice. And given the, the flux that is the goaltending situation in this series. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where you have, you know, the Smith-Koskinen question for the Oilers. You've got Kemper's health for the Avalanche and maybe Franchot coming in. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, if there's one team that'll dictate whether the over hits, it's the avalanche, because uh, to me, the only reason that game that got to where it did was them playing really loosey goosey and irresponsible defensively after they got the lead and that's in that game. Um, so if they play to their identity and, and play better defensively five on five, there's a chance it'll hit the under, but I don't think that I, I would hesitate in the least to, to hit, to try to bet the over in that game. He is Greg Wasinski doing great work for ESPN, and we always appreciate him cutting out some time for us. Greg, thanks, man. Anytime. There he is. Greg Wasinski from ESPN. It's a nightcap on VC. This is the nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, well, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCasts wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we needed some good vibes. Finally. Yes. It's not going to be yes. a overnight here. Rays came through. Ray Rays win for our, our guy, Sean King. Rays came through. We needed that, you know? Yes, yes, yes. You were feeling a little testy, everything I was saying. You're kind of giving me well, little jabs, you know? When yeah, I'm I, around you, I'm always in a good mood because you're such a, a positive energy, you know? Sure. Yeah. Magnetic, like, personality, person. Like, 
So you raised my spirits high. Well, that is uh, that is a a factor of, of what I do. You know, I'm just a people pleaser, make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> that part. You know, it doesn't make me happy is when our producer Jason sitting in for Aaron today. He be tripping. I mean, why you got Why you got to send me this? This is just mean. What are you saying? Notre Dame? No. Give it up football. <laughs> Give it up football. <laughs> I like I like how one person on Twitter today. Uh, I I I responded to something Stuart Mandel talked about because there was there's rumors about NBC getting in on the Big Ten at some point, so mm-hmm. getting some additional college football, which I think would be great. And I said something about you know Notre Dame has three primetime games on NBC. And some guys like they gotta join a conference. I'm like, why do people? Why do you care? Right. If it's not, like, you would take the bag too. Yeah. Why do you? What does it? What does it matter? I'm with you. Um. But no, Jason sent me this. The Pirates entered the series with the Dodgers with the worst run differential in baseball at minus 84. The Dodgers entered. With the best run differential at plus 119, it's the fourth time in the last 50 years that the team with the worst run differential in the Major League Baseball swept the team with the best record or best run differential in a road series of the last of the last three yeah. games. I mean, that's just why you got to do that. It's like, ah, salt. You right know what it wound. is? I think they all listen to the nightcap. Oh, all and they that. saw me bet the Reds because I mean the entire NL Central is playing 500 or above baseball over the last 10 games. I'm looking at it like there's nobody in the entire division that's less than five and five, and that's the Cubs. Pittsburgh six and four, Reds six and four, Milwaukee six and four, St. Louis seven and three. Like I bet the Reds, and it, I mean. Injected energy juice into the whole division. The good news for your Reds. Guess They're on who, the way. Guess who they got coming up? The Nationals. Nationals. So we can. Four we're, we're not. We're no longer the worst team in baseball because we have more wins than Kansas City, and now we get to play the Nationals, which I will be heavily betting the Reds, especially against Adon, who's terrible. I think he pitches tomorrow. Juan Adon, baby. Yeah, man. Come on, let's go Nats. I'm going to take. I think the Reds as. The home team on the run line tomorrow. And if you can't hit a dome, I mean. I mean, the Nats were only outscored in New York 28-5 to and shut out the last two games. Yeah. And uh, Why weren't we blindly betting super run line on the Mets? I, well, I had the run line on all the Mets games. But they had made it so high today, it was only like minus 115 on the run line. I don't <laughs> even have plus money. You didn't have to sweat it. Five nothing. Yeah, it was like they, they twenty. I think the Nats pitched like a new kid or something. Yeah, today. they did. And he he think shut the Mets off for like the first three innings. Yeah, then they kind of opened the uh, floodgates. Congrats to my guy uh, Evan Lee making his major league debut. Hey, I knew they'd suck. It's a tough spot. I knew they'd suck. Mets are playing. Mets are really good. I'm more impressed by what the Mets are doing now than what they were doing early, because they have some injuries now. You know, Scherzer's out. You know, some guys. Brown's been out all year. Yeah. So, I like what they're doing now. Like, I might have to go ahead and break down. Because, like, I hate to put futures bets on teams like the Mets to historically always find a way to figure out the negative result. But I might have to believe in magic. I mean, they're they're ten and a half games up in the the NL East. If I got us tickets, would you go to a Mets game? It's a long flight from here, though. I've been... 
three times. City Field? I've been once. Yeah, it's nice. They got the little hamburger shop out there in in the outfield. They got a brewery connected to the stadium. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet little deal. Yeah. Yeah. We sat right there behind the uh, visitor's dugout on top of it. Yeah. What rich people do? A little close. Say a little close? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get a little farther. (laughs) I don't want to have to be attentive every pitch. By the way, how about this, though? So the, the Mets are red hot. They've won, I think, six straight. They just, as mentioned, you know, playing my AAA Nats, beat them 28-5. to You know what they got next? A four-game series starting tomorrow night in Los Angeles. Who is this? The Mets. Dodgers coming off getting swept by the Buckos. Now you've got Taiwan Walker against Tony Gonsolin in game one. Mets keep it rolling? Or the Dodgers get the best of them. I'm going to leave that game alone because I think I may have my baseball lock of the year. <laughs> What's that? Oh, my gosh. What time did the Giants-Phillies game go off today? It started. Did you did you consult with Scott Seidenberg on your lock of the year? It started at 3.05. Uh-huh. Well, just think about this for a second. Okay. Giants were in Philly. Yep. So they were done probably 9.30 East Coast time. Got on a plane, flew down to Miami. They play the Marlins tomorrow. Marlins, who just lost tomorrow at three forty p.m. Eastern. No. Yes. Oh no, no. Six forty p.m. Eastern. Three forty our time. The Marlins played a doubleheader today. Mm-hmm. The second game went to extra innings. It was thirteen to twelve final. So think how many pitchers were used. How many breaks in the action? They have to fly from Denver, Colorado. All the way down to Miami and then turn around and play tomorrow. Oh, that's Giants all the way. And I think it's Alex Wood. That, you know his pitcher for the. I know. Sandy Alcantara's pitcher. Yeah, I know. But he's due for some regression. Why? Because all pitchers have regression. It's like Justin Verlander got shellacked. Not today, but the game before that. Then he bounced back today. Like Sandy's due for one of those games. This is the perfect excuse. And you know what that's like already going west coast to east coast? So you're losing three hours. So even though they're leaving Colorado, they're probably just now headed to the airport because that game just ended. They ain't waiting at Southwest Terminal. Yeah, but you, you still got to give to, you gotta give everybody time to shower. You guys got to go from the ballpark to the airport. You drive right up to the plane, but there's still travel involved in this. Then you're flying. I would be, What's the flight from Denver to Miami? What's that? Five and a half? Four, four and a half. Four, four and a half. So, oh, this is great. They're going to get home like, what, eight, nine in the morning, East Coast time, and then have to play at 640? Oh, yeah, they're not doing any batting practice or nothing. No BP, nothing tomorrow. I would be more convinced if it wasn't Sandy Alcantara. Hey, well, he's going to have the pitch a no-hitter. The Giants been swinging those bats. Yeah, and they used a lot of relievers today because it was a doubleheader to begin with. Sandy Alcantara, eight nine eight. Those are his last three starts. Debt, debt. You don't need it. You don't need relievers when Sandy well, Alcantara. Listen, he's never traveled this far in between and got back. Yeah, his routine's gonna be off tomorrow, so, so he's know, due to have a bad game. Or he could have left early. Nah. Why not? Nah. Not that know? far flight. How do you know? Cause he can sleep on the plane. You don't think they sent him a day early? Nah. Why would they keep him out there? Support the others. All right, you you go for it there. 
whatever nickname you want to roll. Oh with yeah, that's my uh, yeah. I'm I, I'm on the, I'm on that tomorrow. The Giants, great spot for the Giants. I'm just saying. Right. I I will. I wish you don't you, think that's a great spot. I Giants at Marlins tomorrow, three forty on the West Coast, which is the best coast. But if you're back east, it's a six forty p.m. start. Think about this. Miami was in Denver, probably just leaving Denver right now. And what is it? 12.30 in the morning down that way. So think about another four and a half hours, five to get back all the way down to Miami because you're going all the way to Miami. So it's probably a little over five. Ooh, I mean, you're talking getting home at 7.30, in best case scenario, having to be back at the ballpark for a game that starts at 6.40. Against uh, the Giants team that's already in Miami sleep. Yeah, I, I like the Giants tomorrow. Uh, Sandy Alcantara's ERA over the last four games, Sean, is 0.84. And he's pitching good. So he's pitching good. Fade at your own risk. Fade away. I will uh, I will stay off that one, and if you come home and hit it, I will say, great call. I will not be betting that. So, good luck. We'll see what, uh, see what Scott Seidenberg says. His show's coming up top of the hour. But up next, we will head to Boston and – Get the latest on the Celtics and Warriors. Game one tomorrow night out in the Bay Area. We will head and chat with Brian Barrett from WEEI next right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Raise your tequila and your game. Join the Taste of Victory Challenge presented by Sincoro Tequila and compete free for your share of $15,000 in total cash prize in total prizes. Enter the three-part prediction pool series and make your hoops predictions to shoot for a share of the cash. Head to DraftKings.com slash Sincoro to get in on the action. Sincoro Tequila, life well played. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Super Bowl champion Sean King, I am Tim Murray. NBA Finals get going tomorrow night, 9 o'clock Eastern tip out in the Bay Area as the Warriors and Celtics uh, go head-to-head in the NBA Finals. And to talk more about it, we head to Boston and bring in a host from WEEI, former colleague of mine way back when, Brian Barrett, and he joins us right now. Brian, uh, really enjoy your tweets kind of breaking this down, looking at you know some of the advanced statistics uh, for the Celtics going up against this Warriors team. You know, defense is, is kind of the name of the game right now for this Celtics team. So when you broke it down, uh, looking you know in depth at these numbers, what was some of the advantages that you saw that the Celtics might have defensively going up against a pretty darn elite offense in the Warriors? Yeah, there's a couple of things. The first thing I looked at is if you look at the Celtics on the season, they have switched more than any team in the entire NBA. They've, they've defended 804 isolation possessions this season. Actually, Al Horford has defended the most. So what they want to do with their scheme is basically turn you into an isolation-heavy team. 
And with the Golden State Warriors, now Steph Curry's been really good, as you could imagine, but on the season, the Warriors are just 24th in isolation possessions used. They don't want to play that way. They want to play their beautiful, pretty game where they're cutting all over the place. They have all these off-ball actions that they like to get to. But I do really believe that Celtics, that switching scheme can help them. A lot's going to come down to the health of Robert Williams in this series, and a lot's going to come down to how Ime Adoka decides to sort of match things up. I would go a little bit different than I think they're going to go, like in terms of uh, one-on-one matchups defensively. But I do think that if you look at Smart and Derek White, those are two of the best guys that you could have to cover Steph Curry because obviously Curry is so good off the ball. Smart's great on the ball. He's great off the ball. Him and Derek White are unbelievable navigating their way through screens. So if you're going to design a defense, to slow down this Warriors team, I do believe it would look a lot like the Celtics who could basically switch everything on that side. You know, Brian, I want Boston to win because I'm a diehard Duke fan, and Jason Tatum, of (laughs) course, is a Dukey, and I'd love nothing more than for him to win his first ring and be MVP, but I still can't get over this one speed bump. Golden State has the guys to knock down all of the shots that we saw a terrible Milwaukee team on offense and a terrible Miami team on offense miss. That concerns me. Tell me why I should not be. Yeah, it's a fair thing. I mean, Miami Heat, that was some of the worst shooting I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. But I would say to that point with Milwaukee and Miami, it's a game plan thing. They're letting a lot of guys shoot that they want to shoot, right? And they're doing a lot of things schematically. Like, even with Jimmy Butler, they started, like, not even switching everything. They would go underneath screens and invite Jimmy Butler to take pull-up jump shots. Now, eventually, he started hitting some of those. But it's ordinarily these guys they're picking to let shoot these shots are guys that they say, okay, if this guy's really going to hit five out of their ten open shots, we'll live with it. And with Miami and with Milwaukee, they made the – the right bets, the right calculus on that. The thing that concerns me more so than anything else is just, it's almost like, I think it's like, now this is an elite level offense, arguably the best offense in the league in Golden State, but it kind of reminds me of like when college teams used to get ready to play Georgia Tech in football, where it's a totally different scheme than anybody else is running that like triple option, so to speak. But in the NBA, like all these teams of Celtics that played, they're seeking out mismatches. Giannis was doing it, going after Jalen. Jimmy Butler was looking for the guards of, the Celtics and even like Durant was looking for mismatches and the Warriors don't play that way. So I think game one could be a little bit jarring just because these guys are flying all over the place. Clay Thompson has more off screen points than anybody else in the postseason, 31 more than anybody else. So that stuff does concern me in terms of game one. I think they'll adjust as the series goes on, but game one is a little bit concerning to me dealing with that movement. We're talking to Brian Barrett host on W E E I. You can follow him on Twitter at it's, Brian Barrett, uh, health-wise, Robert Williams, when he's going, you know, I think very few people recognize this is a second-team all-defensive player this year, and you look at the last time they played the Warriors, some of those blocks he had at the rim were were jarring, but he's just not himself right now. So what is your expectation, and what is the Celtics' expectations of Robert Williams tomorrow night and for this series? Yeah, if they had 90% of Robert Williams, I would be really confident that the Celtics are going to win the series because he gave them, he spooked them on that game back on the 16th where he had four blocks, they would get by defenders, and he just erases everything. I mean, Ime Adoka made this great adjustment midway through the season where he would basically put Robert Williams on like a corner three-point shooter and just let him roam like a free safety, and he just screws everything up. But the problem is 
Tim, we don't know. We don't know with Robert Williams. And like, there was this whole narrative here as he soft, but it, it, was a, it was a ridiculous take because the guy came back three and a half weeks early from knee surgery. Now, did they do that right? Because he hasn't been near the guy that he was. He had basically one good half against Miami. So I do wonder if they brought him back too early because they're up to nothing against the Heat. There was no reason to bring him back for game three, but he has not been the same level of athlete. And I do truly believe he gives them so much because of his shot blocking. He's top five in shot blocking. He's top five in offensive rebounds. They don't have another athlete like him. And the problem is if Robert Williams isn't close to the guy he is, they don't have a backup plan because they cannot play Daniel Tice. That guy absolutely sucks. They played him for 36 minutes. His first, he's horrible. I mean, look, they played this guy for 36 minutes against the Heat. They were outscored by 37 points. I mean, he, there's no upside. He's a traffic cone defensively, and offensively, there's nothing there. So they'll have to embrace playing more Grant Williams minutes at the five when Al's off the court because I, I just I can't envision them using Tice in this series. But if Robert Williams is close to where he was at the prior to the injury. Well, then we're talking about a totally different series, but I'm hoping this, this would be the hope from the Celtics angle. They played every other day since May 7th. Now Williams has missed a couple of those games, but they had three days off here and then they're going to play on Thursday. They don't play again until Sunday. Maybe some of these days off will help Robert Williams. I still, I can't believe Adam Silver in the NBA did this every other day format. Once they got to the conference finals, it makes no sense. You get a million days off in the first round. It, it made for a bad product, quite frankly. But I'm sorry, circling back to Robert Williams' question, if he's close to the guy we saw in the regular season, it's a game changer. If he's not, he may be unplayable because in game seven, he was unplayable against he Miami. He was bad. He was really bad. Uh, yeah. Brian Barrett, WEEI, Boston. So we're talking basketball here, but as a Rays fan, I always take the opportunity to know how much pleasure it gives me if the Red Sox are three games below 500. <laughs> And five and a half behind the Rays and 11 behind the Yankees. But we're going to stick to basketball right now. Man, so what is that? On the sidelines. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's what we do. We take cheap shots. Yeah, the bullpen blows, so you, you, you're <laughs> safe right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Adoka has done a great job in year one. Uh, not only does he not have any finals experience as a coach, none of the players on the Boston team have ever been to the NBA finals. So, all of the experience – exists and sits on the opponent, the Golden State Warriors. Does this lift any burden of expectation off this Boston team and they just get to play carefree? Or does the strategic and experience advantages that Golden State have ultimately play a huge role in the most tense and stressful situations as we move forward? Yeah, it's interesting to me because I feel like I agree with your first part of it because I go back to – so first – off, they picked this sort of route to the NBA Finals where they said, hey, we're not losing on the final day of the season. We, we're fine with taking on the Nets, and that became a topic. Or should they have gone this road? Should they have wanted to play Giannis and the Bucks in the second round? But as this thing sort of started going on, Middleton was gone for the Bucks, So it's like, you have got to beat the Bucks, And they got down 3-2. They go to Tatum goes to Giannis's house, puts up 46-16 in the fourth. And then Miami, Butler was dealing with an injury. Lowry's out. It's like, you have got to beat these teams or it's going to be an epic choke job, especially after what happened in game six. And now it feels like, okay, a lot of people expect the Warriors to win this series. I do kind of feel like when they get to this finals, they are going to play a little looser than they've played throughout. Well, I hope not from a turnover perspective because that's been an absolute joke. One game they gave up 33 points off turnovers to Miami. But anyway, slight digression there. My overwhelming point is I do believe that they are going to play freer than they did. Like It felt like the pressure was on them against both Milwaukee because of the Middleton injury 
and Miami just because they were a better team and that Miami team was banged up like crazy. But so I do feel like they will be a little bit more at ease because the Warriors are the team that everybody expects to win, at least in my mind. I know it feels that way in terms of the gambling, but like 538, it's like 83 to 20, it's like 20 something in terms of their like basketball metric. I mean, they've never got anything wrong before, like the 16 election. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the quoting of 538 is uh, is not a great feeling, no matter who Absolute you're on. Absolute joke. Uh, yeah. hey, hey, Brian, 10 seconds. Who and in how many games? I'm going to say season seven. All right, Celtics in seven. Good luck. Brian Barrett, WEEI. Good to hear your voice, man. Keep up the great work out there in Boston. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, go is, raise, Brian. Brian. <laughs> man. He could just try back, clap back, say, how it's many, like t- how many titles has the Rays won? It's a nightcap here on Visa. <laughs> this is the nightcap on Visa, the sports betting network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $39, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to it all. That includes Adam Burke's daily MLB best bet. Jonathan Von Tobel breaking down all the action in the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil got his thoughts on the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of preseason NFL coverage, college football, UFC. So if you want that full VEASAN experience, features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and our live video stream. Whenever you want, the cost is only 39 bucks to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now at vcin.com slash summer. It is the nightcap here on vcin. That gentleman right there is Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Thanks again to Brian Barrett from WEEI for joining us. 
Uh, Brian's a good dude. We yeah. worked together. Never did shows together, but worked at the same network for, for a handful of years. Cool. So happy he's uh, got it rolling there. And uh, I think he's from Boston, so his hometown of Boston there. So, so he loved Michael Rays. Yeah. Well, he's, he, I was looking at tomorrow's slate, though. What do you got there, Baseball Adamas? Well, no. I, lo- I love the Giants. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody hit us up on Twitter and said, generally the pitcher will fly back a day ahead. But the rest of the team did it. On Twitter? The rest of the team did it. I told you. He that. confirmed what you oh, said. Oh, thank you. You don't. You don't listen to me. First of all, that's not the did point here. Did you work here. in baseball for five that's years? That's not oh, the okay. point here. Okay? okay. Jeez. Back back. So, anyways, I like Edmonton tomorrow. I love the Giants, of course, because I think the scheduling guys did them a huge favor, and the, I like the San Francisco Giants to beat the Miami Marlins, even though Sandy Alacon. Alcantara. Alcantara is on the mound. I just, terrible spot for the Marlins. I think I like Edmonton tomorrow in hockey. I really do. Now, if they start Mike Smith, I probably will just take the over. But I like Edmonton tomorrow. So right now, you see it on your screen. The over at DraftKings is 7.5. I think we'll get there. But right now, across the ta- across, across town, easy for me to say, Seven, you could find it as low as minus 135 to the over on Edmonton, Colorado. Um, <laughs> I'm a contrarian. Mm-hmm. I, I can't play under here. <laughs> no way, no how. So uh, You know what I'm doing with my eyes. So I, I won my first bet. Yep. I took the, 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 the amount and bet it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just roll it over. Okay. Now... I don't. I didn't see seven and a half. It's seven here at Circa, right? Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. everywhere in town, DraftKings has the seven and a half. Yeah, yeah everywhere else seven. in town is seven. It's shaded to minus one forty though, so or juice to minus one forty. So they're trying to deter you from taking the over. But I'm going to be a man of my word and stick to what I said I was going to do. I'd bet it tonight though. Yeah, that sucker's going to seven and a half. Unless you think you'll get plus money on over seven and a half. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to go plus money then. Yeah, but I'd rather, rather have get- both. We'd rather have seven. So if it is four yeah. to three, five to two, yeah, I'd rather have both. Um, I, but I really don't want to bet it till I see who the goalie is. Because if they start Michael Smith, then Mike Smith, they can put it at ten, and it's gonna go over. <laughs> but uh, what's the guy's name that uh, that came in for Mike Smith? Uh, Koskinen. Koskinen. Koskinen actually played pretty decently. Yeah. You know, granted. Colorado was in, like, Only let's let- win the game mode. They weren't in, like, we got to score another goal mode for the majority of that period. But I just don't think Mike Smith's I mean, very Smith good. I mean, Smith was re- relieved midway through the second period. And, right. And Koskinen gave up one goal because, remember, the empty netter came home. So, yeah, yeah. I thought he played pretty well. Kemper, um, I don't know if we got to this with Wyshynski, but he, he alluded to it off the air. He, he's not a big, actually, believer in Kemper. So he felt like if Kemper does miss tomorrow – because he left the game with that an injury. Be a good thing for he said Colorado. It, he said he really didn't feel like there was a big drop yeah. off. I, I don't. I agree. I, I think Kemper and his backup are both average. I think Michael Smith, Mike Smith, is below average. I think his backups average. He did allow six goals on twenty five shots, but it's not like the first time either. Like this has happened multiple times in the playoffs. I took so what I did last night, and you know the numbers still out there. I took a little bit on plus three fifty for the series for Edmonton. Maybe it's crazy. Probably is, but. At plus 350, I just took a little bit of a flyer. So that's tomorrow. Uh, also tomorrow, game one of the NBA Finals. 
I want to do something. I want to write things down. So I want to do predictions, MVP, and I'll think of something else. All right, so, Sean, your prediction is? Golden State in six. Golden State in six. What's interesting is both you and I are going to predict that the NBA championship is won on the road team's court. Because I'm going Celtics in seven. Mm-hmm. I, uh, You're wrong, but I, I respect it. Are you up on our cigar bets right now or down? After this series, I will be. Okay. Hey, so remember when you bet against the Celtics with the Bucks? Yeah. I didn't know Chris Middleton was going to be out. We yes, made you, that bet before yes, Chris you Middleton. Did. I didn't know he was going to miss the whole series. Yes, you did. No, I did not. Who's the MVP? Steph Curry, Lifetime Achievement Award. But I'll say this. He's going to average over 27 points a game. Okay. All right. So Sean's going Golden State in six. I'm going Boston in seven. I really want to speak Marcus Smart. MVP into existence. No chance. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people said Andre Iguodala had no chance to win MVP in 2015. He still had some of that Philadelphia, like, next. By the way, if, if you've been with us. Jordan, like, if, if, on him. Like, people forget. Iguodala was considered, like, the next guy when he's in Philly. Like, it wasn't like he was some abstract unknown. Like, he was supposed to be the dude. Okay, what's your point? Marcus Smart's never been considered the dude. Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I know. Is Andre Iguodala Defensive yes. Player of the Year in 2015? Uh, I think he's won it before. He's anyway, whatever. Go ahead. I just think Jason Tatum has. Can it'll be. It'll be Tatum. Yeah, he can impact the game so many ways. By the way, his assists are becoming unbelievable. If he works on his handle, because I still don't think he's as comfortable with the ball in traffic as he wants to become. I mean, that's probably his only major deficiency, in my opinion. Is sometimes he just don't have like that natural like yo-yo on the ball where every time it leaves his hand, you know, the yo-yo comes back to your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to work on that. But other than that, I mean, his ability to distribute is becoming incredible. His turnover situation is is bad. Yeah. He's got 77 turnovers so far this postseason. That is one of the biggest worries that I have as a Celtics backer here. I, I once And again, a lot of that is like just mis- mishandling the ball. Like, he's trying to make a move. The ball comes off his hand, goes out of bounds. It's not like, you know, he's throwing the ball against the backboard. You know what I mean? So you've got Golden State in six, Steph Curry MVP, and your footnote will be Steph Curry averages over 27 points per game. I'll say my footnote is that Clay Thompson goes over 20 just once in this entire NBA Finals. No shot. I think Clay's gonna have a big series. I think Clay's a very self-conscious person. I think he's also a very highly aware person, and he heard the people saying Clay's not the same, and then he turned it on in the Dallas series. I think he said it himself. I know. I'm just saying. How many guys would say that? A lot of guys would just try and act like people are hating, and like none of it's like self created like they didn't go out and play bad like people just hating on me so i think it's a big series i do i just have a couple huge games but i think overall he's gonna be back to that old like hey if the glass halfway open it's all the way open like where it leaves his hand and you automatically assuming it's going in 
Man, you think the 2015 Warriors are showing up tomorrow night, don't you? 2022. Well, that's why I got Warriors in six and you have Boston in seven because we obviously pre-flop, view the series in slightly different lenses. Yep. We'll find out starting tomorrow who's right, who's wrong. Well, what I was going to say is, remember early on in the show, we had Nick Whalen from Rotowire. Mm-hmm. Sean was so happy. He's like, oh, Nick is so smart. I love Nick. Then Doug Kazarian comes on and says Boston. He's like, yeah. I think you text Doug. Yeah, I'm going to text him after the show and find out. Anything. Did Tim text you and tell you to say that you like Boston? By the way, I do want someone to keep count of your new thing is now everything that I say. I could be like, the sky is blue. Sean would be like, no shot. No shot. That your new thing? I only say no shot when I, do, I think you know, like, that particular isolated opinion mm-hmm. has no shot. Mm. So if I believe in Golden State like I do, then I would automatically think that your Boston take has no shot, just like vice versa. It would act like that. Hey, good good performance tonight by the Lightning. They were really good, Sean. How about the Rays? Yeah, the Rays brought daddy that paper. Yeah. 6-2. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to give them a, a little bit of a talking to. Scott Seidenberg's up next. I wonder if he thinks Sandy Alcantara is going to shove tomorrow. It's the nightcap here on Visa. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.